0: I'm Justin Snyder.
1: And I'm Stephanie Greenwood-Snyder.
0: We're just an average, everyday couple.
1: But over the years, we've seen the incredible importance of building community together.
0: We'll be talking with friends and experts about their stories and experiences to help us learn and grow.
1: We don't want to just survive through life.
0: We want to intentionally thrive.
1: This is The Intentional Thriver.
0: Welcome back to season two of the Intentional Thriver podcast, the podcast where we ask the question, am I thriving or am I surviving in my life? It's good to be back. It's good to have um, all of our listeners back as well who made that their New Year's (laughs) resolution to come back and listen to season two of the Intentional Thriver. I know that was high on people's list. Okay, guys, no more waste of time. We are going to talk to a real wow. doctor, yeah, like not one of those fake doctors that we've we've had on in the past, all those all those quacks, <laughs> like an actual real doctor today no
1: we've loved no all this our, past- our this is our first i know like this is doctor an honor. no it is yeah. it is an
0: honor uh, we are here to welcome dr matt turvy yes,
2: Dr Turvey,
0: how are you?
2: I am good, it's good to be here with you guys. <laughs> The first doctor. I'm, I'm, wow.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> this this is like I'm sure the the highlight of your career getting to come on this podcast. It's all downhill
2: from here. It's all downhill.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! <I'll... laughs> no no no! It's fantastic. And for those who know the show. Um, we always like to start off by saying something we appreciate and admire about our guests. So Matt and I haven't known each other that long. we We worked on a chick-fil-A project uh, not a few months ago. Man, we hit like what <laughs> five cities, six cities. Wow <laughs> where we were yep. traveling together yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but it was a really cool project and one of the big and it was kind of your your baby, like one of your brain children projects. Wow. And it was all revolving around mental health, mental wellness, things like that, which is something that is very important to yes. Stephanie and our, ourselves and our journey. And um, one thing that just as, you know, you were doing these interviews and talking to these guys that just kept coming out is like, man, Matt is just such an, in, an in, incredibly intelligent person. Mm-hmm. Like you are... So well versed in the science and the understanding and the, the the nerdyisms of all of it. But I think you do a really, really good job of balancing that with being very down to earth, very approachable, that like you're, you're able to break it down for people like me at my level. So so way, way, way down there. <laughs> so even myself and my wife, you know, you can you can talk to both of us because she's obviously much smarter than I am. So. <laughs> No, but it is a huge, (laughs) huge honor to have you on the podcast. We are so excited. Can you start by just, and I mean, we only have like an hour generally (laughs) for the podcast. I know you could probably spend so much time on this first question about sharing a little bit about your background because you have, you have done it all. (laughs) And are still doing it all. My goodness, (laughs) you have been all around the world. Well,
2: yeah, I don't want to steal your thunder, but
0: yeah, um, yeah.
2: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, dude? um, I've had so many fun jobs in my life. If you wanted a real, like a real history of my jobs, we'd start back with Little Caesars, and um, (laughs) I worked there when I was fifteen. And anyway, I've done a lot of pizza jobs over my life, but really, probably what pertains to this is my role as a psychologist. Um, I've been a psychologist for about twenty years. Um, got, uh, yeah, I got licensed when I lived in Missouri, went to a little grad school in Southwest Missouri, uh, finished up in 2002, 2003 specialized in marriage and family therapy. Uh, so I just thought that was, I used to think like all, all, actually I started in ministry. Ministry was my, my undergrad thinking I was going to go into, uh, and be a pastor and realized pretty quick that I was a terrible preacher, um, and couldn't handle all the administration that went along with running a church. I didn't care how many people per square foot you could fit in a Sunday school classroom, which were all things apparently I was supposed to learn. So I thought, you know what? I think the way I could help people is really just by working with them one-on-one or in small groups. So psychology offered that. Mm -hmm. So I changed my major from theology to psychology. Still kept some of the theology because I think it always informs what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, But then uh, did did my undergrad in psychology, went back a few years later to do grad school um, at a little school in Missouri. And I got licensed as a psychologist in about 2002 or three, so I've been doing this about 20 years now, specialization in marriage and family therapy. Oh, cool. um, so that was kind of always, I always just thought, that's all I thought counselors did was talk about your marriage. Um, <laughs> I had like really no business being a counselor or a psychologist <laughs> back in those days. Um, they always joke that people are doing psychology to fix themselves. And yeah. I thought I was the one exception to that rule. And I have learned over the years that I was not. Um, so... I've got to do a lot of work on me over the years, a lot of work on my marriage and my parenting and everything you know right. that that involves wise living healthy intentional thriving living Ooh. um and so I've done a lot of work right and uh i'm a I'm a big believer in this stuff, so um done a lot in the in the area of psychology since then but uh just just love it absolutely working with people. Wow! And
0: then you—correct uh, me if I'm wrong—but you lived in South America for quite a few years, right? Yeah. With with your family.
2: Oh, we did. Um, I was at an organization called Prepare and Rich. First, I was in Minnesota, and that's a little uh, back in the day it was Scantron. I'm old enough to do Scantron nice.
1: tests. Oh, so are we? You oh, know yeah. what those oh, are? Oh yeah! Oh yeah!
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Um,
1: do they not do Scantron
0: tests dude, this anymore?
2: Is, I I I don't know. I don't think so. Our world is rocked. <laughs> I don't think number two pencils exist anymore either. What? So um, it's 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 a rough day. Yeah, I might take it all on an iPad. <laughs> nice. So This, this uh, preparing rich is a is a marriage assessment that couples would take usually pre marriage and premarital counseling with the pastor. Um, and so I worked with them for a few years. That job ended, uh, and in that process, we were kind of faced hey, what do we do? You know, and so we always wanted to uh, take the kids somewhere international for a while. Wanted to serve, wanted to use our skills and go somewhere cool in the world. And just through a long process of events that probably is a whole podcast right there, um, the Lord opened up an opportunity in Lima, Peru to go serve. And I, so I, I counseled missionaries. My wife's a physical therapist. She worked with um, uh, young kids in, in children's homes and orphanages who had uh, some pretty severe disabilities. She also homeschooled her kids down there. That was the first time she started doing that. Before that, um, you know, we dropped them off at school every day. So she taught our youngest to read. We were in Peru for two years, and my kids swear they didn't go to school a single day in their life. That is a uh, that's a testimony actually to my wife and how fun she made school and how cool Peru is. You guys did stuff with WindShape for for many years. So after after we got back from Peru, yeah, yeah, we got back from Peru, and uh, I had had some connections with WindShape, which is the nonprofit arm of the Kathy family, uh, who own Chick-fil-A. Um, so a lot of local folks here in Atlanta know, know Chick-fil-A very well. People all over the world know Chick-fil-A actually, yes, but sure. we have a, uh, a ministry called the Wind Foundation. And one of those, uh, ministries is marriage. And so I came and for about seven years, I ran the, the marriage ministry. Um, and we had retreats and adventures around the world. We took couples like, uh, sailing and hiking the Inca trail and, um, the Camino de Santiago in
1: Spain,
2: all around these ideas of marriage enrichment with your spouse. It was, dude, it was, it was so much fun. Um, those those experiences, we trained couples how to do marriage ministry. Um, and then we did marriage intensives for couples who were kind of in a spot that they, they needed um, a mm-hmm. deeper dive. Yeah. Um, sometimes couples, an intensive historically has been a three or four day experience for couples who are facing, the, you know, they're facing divorce, they're facing a deep crisis. Um, any couple would benefit from an intensive and doing that deeper, deeper dive yeah. in their marriage, but we did that as well. And so just got to see a lot of couples um, blessed, draw closer to each other, closer to the Lord uh, in that process. And it was, it was, it was really cool. So then after that, um, you know, because Winshape is so associated with Chick-fil-A, at one point, about three and a half, four years ago, I joined the corporate side of Chick-fil-A. Um, and now I get to serve at Chick-fil-A a couple of lanes there. I serve our Chick Chickplace franchisees, their operators is what they're, their owner operators is what they're called all over the country. Uh, I serve them uh, when it comes to mental, emotional, relational, or spiritual health needs or challenges. Um, I'm not their, th- I'm not their shrink. I'm not their psychologist, but I help them find resources when um, they're in a tough spot. And that could be for them. It could be for their, for their employees. It could be whatever, but you know, the world of mental health is, dude, it's yeah. confusing. So if I can just be a resource and kind of a concierge for them to help them find what they need, that's what I get to do along, along with my, my, my small little team. Uh, and we just get to meet people where they're at because um, being in business today, it's hard. Uh, running a Chick-fil-A is really hard. They're crazy busy and uh, people are expect a lot of, of Chick-fil-A. There's very high standards we set for ourselves and that the community sets for us as well. So those challenges, yeah. if I can help them true to their calling to serve great chicken and serve a lot of really cool people. I'll do that. so, I mean, obviously,
0: like mental health, like you you hit the nail on the head. it's it's complicated. It's confusing. It's understanding like what what does that mean? What is that? So there's a million different things that we could talk about that you know that we will talk about more and more on mm-hmm. on other episodes of the podcast. But what we really want to focus in on um about today is talking through emotions mm-hmm. and understanding. Like what, mm-hmm. what emotions are, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Like, I, I, you know, some people are like, Oh, you're too emotional. You're not emotional enough. You're too close up. What, you know, so understanding what, what those are mm-hmm. all, all sorts of things. So I guess starting off with the first question and I don't know, it seems like a simple question, but I don't know if it actually is, <laughs> you know, talking about emotions, like what, our emotions, yeah. like what, what actually is that? What is going on with, with emotions?
2: Dude. I mean, that, that is actually a really hard question. You know, um, you could answer in a lot of ways. Um, honestly, they're, they're most basic. I mean, emotions are nothing more than electrical impulses and neurochemical transmission of, of, of neurochemicals in your brain, uh, and other in spinal cord, other parts of your body that are go that are getting fired off in response to outside stimuli um outside stressors or or good things or whatever. Um, and then like the the impulse happens, and then what happens, our body starts to or our mind starts to interpret those things as good or bad. So in some ways, mm. like you can't stop the emotion, the initial emotion, but then what meaning you ascribe to that is that's kind of where um that's where that's where counseling probably and like a healthy living comes in because uh we we there's this big fancy term emotional self-regulation and that's where we're kind of taking the just the core almost like animal type just reaction that happens when something comes at you your spouse comes at you your kids come at you something's triggered something at work whatever um boom you can't stop the emotion but you can then start to control your reaction to that emotion and that's emotional self-regulation and that's kind of taking things out of what we call the limbic part of your brain more of the prefrontal cortex limbic is kind of like these deeper parts where you don't really, you don't control stuff consciously to your prefrontal cortex, the, the, the this kind of the smart stuff, the logical stuff. And you get to kind of modulate or, or moderate um, or influence your reaction, to those emotions. So that's, it is core, but right. how does that play out in every day? There, there's so much we could talk right. about that, about how that plays out in every life um, and relationships. Um, yeah. So,
1: so when you when you talk about emotions, you know, they're like you said, outside stimuli affecting our our brains, the way we're reacting. So obviously there's positive and negative emotions. Mm. How do they play a role and, and what is the importance of them in, in our lives? Uh, how do they play in our lives day to day? Yeah, that's a good question.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, emotions, I think as you start to think about them, emotions are like some people describe them as like the dashboard lights on your dashboard in your car, right? That's mm-hmm. a pretty common analogy. Like emotions can be like out of gas or flat tire or check your engine light. <laughs> you know, um, we don't typically in our dashboards and cars, you don't have like, Hey, you're driving healthy <laughs> um, or you're driving well. <laughs> Although some cars have that little, you're eco friendly, like that little green leaf in my dad's Ford Escape. Um, like, so you, so you got that, right? So that's kind of what emotions are. they are just ways that we tell ourselves kind of our, our conscious higher thinking self. Okay. Here's what's going on. Um, emotions are also, I heard somebody say this one time. So emotions are like a toddler in a car on a long road trip. You're not going to give the wheel of your car to that toddler, but you also can't put them in the trunk. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of this idea. Like you, you, they're there, you know, you can't stick them back there. And ignore yeah. them, but you also shouldn't give them the wheel because both are going to be pretty bad yeah. results at the end. So you got to be man, aware of Man, you, you
1: know? are speaking our language. <laughs> that resonates. We just oh, literally man. got back from a flight way too late at night with a one-year-old and a four-year-old. And <laughs> there were times where... Uh,
0: yeah, the plane yeah. didn't have a trunk.
1: We didn't and, put them in the trunk. No, that's not. And even. we flew.
0: Uh, we flew. Uh, what was it? Frontier. Yeah. So we couldn't put them in the overhead because right. we didn't pay for the carry on. Right. So oh. but you know,
1: the nice part about Frontier is everybody's already ticked off. So what's another <laughs> screaming one year old? You know, yeah, so just, you know,
2: oh. it just adds to the mix.
1: No. Anyway, and we
2: start mad. It doesn't that's, matter. It doesn't matter.
1: Absolutely no. I love that. So yeah, it does definitely. I never thought of it as a dash. Board before of like mm. looking in, and I feel like I can just so see that in our own lives. Like yeah. Justin's had kind of a tough year with you know the industry yeah, and with the, the strikes, strikes and stuff, but as things are coming back online, um, yeah. I, I told him his aura I know it says so <laughs> scientific, but your aura <laughs> feels like more lighter lighter Lighter. and more more it's glowing more and like things like that so i i think that you're right it's just such a a a peek into behind the the scenes of what's going on internally
0: that's that's so interesting like seeing that as as the warning lights and it's it's i don't know i'm i'm just i'm processing through and thinking through this (laughs) now like as you've said this about our emotions our emotions in and of themselves are moral like you know, we say good and bad emotions, but are like you said, are they just like the little warning flags that are going up? It's, it's like I'm. It's a good question. I'm feeling angry. Okay.
2: Yeah, emotions. Emotions are good or bad. Mm. They just are, right? Like it's mm. just what they are, and they're very present. They're very like, boom, here it is. Um, but you do have a choice in how you respond to them and how then you want to act. Um, yeah. In in response to that stuff. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of research and people talk about meaning making or like making meaning out of kind of what our experience mm-hmm. is. Um, cause, cause I think we, we like people usually talk about bad emotions, or what we call negative emotions, things like, I don't want to deal with this. Or this is really hard or things like that. Um, Victor Frankl, um, who wrote a book, Man's Search for Meaning. He was an Auschwitz survivor, concentration camp survivor, World War II. Came out of that. He was a psychiatrist at the time. So he, he lived because he helped people, but he also saw some people, obviously a lot of people die. Some people made it and he said, what's the difference? Um, and kind of what, what he saw was that when we're able to ascribe meaning to suffering, it ceases to be suffering. Wow, and wow. so usually people, when they say we're talking about emotions, they kind of want to get over the negative ones, right? They're not so worried about the good ones. Like the good ones, like, woohoo, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm joyful, things like that. Um, but it's the negative ones we try to avoid, but honestly, in some of those negative ones, if we can figure out how to control or, or regulate our response to them and, and find meaning in what just happened, we have a, we have a, a much deeper experience of life. I think, um, there was a, what was his name? He was a second century Christian saint, uh, St. Irenaeus, maybe saying that wrong, but uh, St. Irenaeus so the glory of God is man fully alive,
0: wow. and for
2: me in my life, I've taken that to mean like I grew up in a family where we didn't do emotions, right? Like so that's probably why I'm, I'm a shrink, right? Because I was so like I felt sadness, like ooh, what is what is this thing you're talking of? Um, I was forced to be happy all the time for the most part, um, but when I felt sadness, it was like wow, that's really interesting. I want to, I want to, I want to wallow in that <laughs> sadness. I want to experience what that is. And I think for all of us, we probably have one emotion or another or kind of one side or the other that feels kind of normal to us, but that other side, mm. maybe feel foreign, you know? Um, and I think this quote, uh, the glory of God is manfully alive, has given me freedom to say, I can, I, can, I can glorify God. I can live well, whether I'm really ecstatic or whether I'm kind of feeling sad. Mm. In both of those, I can find meaning in that and find a good response for healthy and wise living that comes out of those, out of the awareness of the emotion that I have. They're information.
1: How being raised, because we were raised similarly, right? Like you put on a happy face, you suck it up. I think my family felt emotions more than yours, Justin, but um, yeah. (laughs) Emotions? (laughs) Exactly. What (laughs) What are these emotions? (laughs) But how are you with your children helping them experience the range of emotion And yet there is, you know, there is a time to teach
0: them their yeah. the
1: reaction to it's, it.
0: It's like the modeling, but it can't all just be modeling. It has to be teaching paired with the modeling. Yeah. You know, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And I
1: know this could be a whole another podcast oh, yeah. yeah. this one question. Exactly. But like, what are some of your tips, especially think of like the kind of younger when they were maybe mm-hmm. a little younger? What were some things that you used to help them? express all the emotions and be okay with all the emotions and yet still have control and,
0: Mm. and thought. And knowing that their brains are still developed. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah.
2: I did not do well at it, honestly, when they were littler. Like I would, I don't know that I even had this, this idea. Like I had two kids when I ended grad school. Um, Third one came along a couple years later. Then we adopted our fourth from China about eight years later. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't good at it. I wasn't good at it with my wife. I wasn't good at it with myself. I wasn't good at it with my kids necessarily. So I've spent a lot of time apologizing lately. Now that I've kind of come into this new awareness of, of just being able to kind of say, Hey, it's just, it's just an emotion. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's anger, it's fear, it's sadness, it's joy. That doesn't mean anything about the real world. Case in point, a little bit ago, uh, actually not a little like last week. Right. Um, my wife and I've been like we've been we've been like ships passing the night lately. We're both in this stage where and the three of our kids drive, one doesn't even live at home anymore. Oh, wow. So um we got we got stuff going on all the time, right? And so we've kind of been passing um and not having the conversation we probably need to. And we could just happen naturally back in the day. Um and I thought, man, I'm 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 frustrated with that. I said, frustrated, we must have a bad marriage. And I like I actually stop myself and i thought that's that's stinking thinking you know as <laughs> they say it. in, in, in the psychology we, i'm frustrated but that doesn't mean i have a bad marriage mm. i'm just frustrated okay what do i do with that i have a choice to be grateful for all the great things and all the and just the amazing woman my wife is or i can maybe change my perspective and change my behavior to say okay i'm frustrated what do i do about it I'm just gonna be frustrated I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna use that emotion as a warning light, as a dashboard light and say, I'm going to, ch- I'm going to change behavior. And that's what I did. And for me, honestly, that one was just, I just, I take note cards sometimes and I write down what I'm grateful for. Um, and it kind of gets it out of my head and onto paper and I, oh, I'm grateful for that. Oh yeah, I like that. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's good. And you kind of just get this. Um, I start, I start seeing the good instead of the bad. So with the kids, I don't know that I was the best at it. I think I've got. Excuse me, I've got a lot better over over age, over over time. And the kids, my kids, dude, I, I love, I love my kids and I like my kids. Um, they we we we've Aww, had good I conversations. Did. We have deep conversations really sometimes. And they are all, <coughs> excuse me, they're they're just turning out to be what I would consider emotionally mature kids. Um, and you know, there's some I'm a dude, I'm a counselor. Counselors are weird. And so there's some weird little things they do that, you know, that um, when, when I compliment them, they have to say, thank you, I receive that, as opposed to being all, no, um, oh, don't do that. Like okay. when you compliment yeah. me at the beginning, I almost said, thank you, I received that, because that's what I trained them to do. Good. Um, oh, that's cool. But I, but I, I do my best.
1: I love that. I just heard that recently that that you should train your kids to do that. Our four year old right now, if you tell her she's beautiful, she's like, "Oh, thanks. I know." <laughs> so
0: we have a couple of years, I think, no. before the. But I I think that's so powerful. Well, that's great. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I think it's so powerful what you were saying about like having the the ability to like apologize too, and and mm, and huge. I that's something huge. that we've talked about a lot that we yeah. you know we're already saving for our children's therapy we yeah. we know it's coming it's <laughs> it's like it's not it's not that they're going to have no baggage cuz we're absolutely going to give them baggage it's just right. we want to give them the least, least amount about. of baggage as well as equip them as much there as we can yeah. so that they have the tools to be able to right. work through their own stuff absolutely. their their own um um things how how much does like past experiences play into emotions, triggers, feeling a certain way. Like someone says something to you, it makes you angry. And it's, you know, the person right next to you could hear the the same person could say the exact same thing to them. And it's like, okay, whatever. But for you, it just (laughs) like, whoa, it hits you super hard. And it's like, man, why, why am I feeling that way? You know, again, how much does like past, experiences subconscious all that stuff play into emotions and how that how we're triggered in, in our responses
2: okay tell me tell me to shut up on this when I'm when <laughs> you've had enough but like here, here's the deal if it's hysterical like a hysterical hysterical response is like wow that's out of whack with kind of what just happened like something something little happens but somebody responds really big that's what i'd call it hysterical right if it's hysterical it's historical. Ooh. That's and I, I know it's a counseling cliche. Um, I'll put a dollar in the counseling cliche jar. There we go. But Like it's so true. And so if if you see that, it's like okay, something is being act. I'm going to call it activated. Triggered is way overused sure. these days, activated. but something's activated because experiences that are tough, um, that are emotionally charged, typically are mostly charged. We remember we remember those things better because. Memory is actually attached to the intensity of emotion of the experience. Okay. So you remember stuff that you you remember, you remember things that are unfinished. You remember things that are emotionally charged, whether good or bad. Sadly, that with things that are negative, negatively emotionally charged tend to be what we would call these days traumatic, you know, and trauma is really just the lack of care. It's not, it doesn't mean physical abuse, sexual abuse necessarily obviously does, but it doesn't right. have to be that. Trauma was meant small, minor trauma was you know me trying to get straight A's and I got a I got a B plus on a spelling test. My mom said, "Oh, you can do better next time." Well, I me for that B plus, like I was proud of that B plus, and she said, "Oh, you'll do better next time, dude." the 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 intent of that little comment was very different than the wow. impact of that comment in in my heart, my life. I remember that was like wow. third grade, man. I'm, I'm almost fifty, and I still remember that. Obviously, I've worked it out. <laughs> we're we're good there. Well, we that's why we're on the call right now.
0: It's to <laughs>
2: this is an intervention. Is intervention. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so so we we yes when 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 stuff is activated, it is almost always going back to a previous experience, whether you're re- really aware of that or not. And that's where the importance of kind of going back and unpacking all the stuff that we've got in our childhood and formative years early on, it's it's important. And that's why psychologists do it so much is because back then you don't have words to put to the trauma or the emotions that you experienced. And so your brain is trying to close the loop on an experience that didn't make any sense to it. But if it can never put a, 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 a logical and reasonable um, kind of bow or ending of the story to something that happened back in the past, it's going to continue spinning its wheels, trying to solve that forever and ever and ever. And if something comes in that that it reminds it of that, it's like, oh, let's go right back to this thing that happened when I was 13. Let's try to solve it, solve it, solve it, solve it. You probably ended up with some crazy story you told yourself about that, that experience back then. Um, but you're doing that then as a 50-year-old. You're doing that as a 70-year-old. You're doing that as an 80-year-old. Um, and so that's where if we can go back and kind of pro- that's where processing that stuff happens. It's like you're working out. Old, old traumatic experiences, bad memories, um, bad emotions are like knots in your shoulder. If you don't work it out, you're gonna compensate for it somehow, right? Like you're gonna you might walk around like this for a while instead. Um, but you, if if you work out that knot, it's like, okay, now, now I'm clear, now I'm flexible. Stuff oh, like that. Man oh it so good
1: i can just see justin's head like, like
0: really? it's funny because you you
1: those terms this you is know, why we, we're doing this, this is yeah, like our, our free us.
0: like therapy session every one of these episodes of the podcast <laughs> is so selfish because oh. we're like i want to learn more about this yeah. so no that's this is
1: so good amazing. so we're totally off
2: well, i'll send you the bill
1: i really seriously <laughs> but what about something you know you say working through past hurt or past things that you don't feel have been resolved Um, so almost going into like the forgiveness realm, right? Of Mm. people that have wronged you or have, let's even give them the benefit of the doubt and said, just made a mistake. Um, what have you seen when like, maybe you even confronted that person? They don't, they don't see it as a problem. They don't see it as they did anything wrong. How do you like end that chapter in your own life? Like, how do you come to it and say like,
0: Ooh, that's I want to like, stop bleeding yeah. out. I want yeah. st- to. I want to take out this knot. How do you create your own closure? Yeah, does that? that
1: make sense? And I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, there's situations where the person has passed away, or there's mm-hmm. like, but let's say they're still living and you're still interacting with them. We, you've even confronted them. You've even talked to them about it. They still don't see that their part as problem. But you just want to let it go and get over it. But it constantly, yeah. you know, you still have that or, jerk overreaction.
0: Like they don't see the extent of yeah. hurt or or power that that action or that word or whatever. Yeah. To them, it was no big deal because maybe they didn't mean it as a big deal or whatever, yeah. but to yeah. you, it was right. Like, whoa, right. it's, it's a Especially
1: weight. if it's a younger, uh, let's call it trauma, you know, like your right. mom, your mom's reaction, like if you went back to her and said that really hurt me and she was like, I didn't mean to at right, all, right. but you're still processing it. How do you close that chapter with something that still is a knot, but... You can't get that person to close it with you. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, Yeah, it does. And it's a really hard question Yeah, Um, because in some ways you're almost talking, you might be talking about like a sense of justice on one side, Mm. forgiveness is part of that, but also just resolving it for yourself. And so all those things can kind of coexist at the same time. Justice you may never be able to get. Um, And honestly, if the the more serious and significant the trauma was, it's been um, put on you. And I'm not saying you yeah, yeah, specifically, right, right, right. Or maybe it was you, I don't know, but like the more significant the trauma is honestly, the less likely that you may actually ever find justice, sadly. Um, so that means if you can't change them, what can you change? I can change my reaction to it. So the work I do when I'm working with folks, um, kind of going through and trying to work through that, you know, massage out that knot of trauma, um we talk about kind of three steps we 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 do it, we undo it, we redo it, so kind of in the therapy session, we just go through and we kind of like we just we go through, hey, tell me what it was, and we walk through the whole thing and what were you feeling and what were you experiencing, and what was your heart rate and like well, give me those emotions and we just kind of read we we do it like that, then we kind of undo it, right, and we say, unpack that, what were those feelings? Is there anything you can change over there? Can you change stuff about yourself what's interesting then? in the in the redo it stage we actually get to this point where we say okay if you had a new understanding of what kind of happened back then that's that that undoing we 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 do we do it like a it's it's a big autopsy on kind of everything that went wrong right every like was was it your mom's fault was it your dad's fault was it were you at some responsibility was it something external were you too young to understand go through a whole lot of stuff that just helps somebody actually see that situation Hopefully with eyes of compassion from their current self, looking at that younger person situation who maybe didn't have the wisdom, the emotional bandwidth, the emotional knowledge, um, whatever it is, who didn't have it back then, just couldn't do it. See your earlier self with a, a bucket load of compassion and grace. Um, and then we go and we kind of redo it. So, okay, now you see all that stuff. What would your what would yourself now do back then and like I'm actually getting chills talking about it because I've just seen I've done it in my life and I've seen people do that and when you when you go back and you redo almost just and just in your brain like you're not going back and confronting that person or any of that stuff this is all just a a neurochemical reaction and a soul reaction inside of you you go back to that person and you redo that situation and you just find like this incredible healing and peace and lightness of like oh okay man I wish I would have I wish I would have done that you know I didn't but boy if I could have I would have and it is what it is now so I accept the past I accept where I'm at and I I I then actually what happens your your brain reprocesses it and you literally rewire like that that line from bad memory to current reality you literally can just bypass that neurochemically Um, And you have a new reaction to that old trauma. And it's magic to watch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, to walk them through that.
1: Incredible.
0: That's so cool.
1: You've probably seen a lot of suppression of feelings and a Mm. lot of just people – T- tucking it down or right.
0: well like you or say, do it just, you? I it just keeps spinning. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some people may not even realize that sure. it's still spinning and it's like, you know, someone coming out
1: in other ways has
0: a reaction to something and it's like, why are you so angry? And they're like, Well, wow, what are you talking about? I'm not angry. Yeah, what are the dangers of that? What are the dangers of just I think what a lot of people end up doing to just kind of survive? And I think this is the difference between surviving and thriving. Is like you said, you know, doing going through that process, the do, the undo, the redo. Um, what are the dangers of not doing that work and just leaving those emotions and letting them sit there and kind of fester and stay suppressed and and things like that?
2: Well, um, first off, I want to give a lot of grace and compassion to people who are in that spot. Mm, that's yeah. always an option, right? Like you can always do that, and you um, you'll, you'll probably you'll probably survive. Like, like you, you probably will, because if you're here right now, you kind of have what you need to be alive right now. Um, sad thing is, is that I think you kind of leave a lot. You, you you miss a lot, you know, and if the glory of God is manfully alive and that man or woman can't quite process some of that bad stuff and work through that stuff, then you are really you're not quite as fully alive. Right. You just you, you're you're leaving you're, 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 you're missing a lot of the joy that I think you could really experience. Um, there, there, you've probably heard about it. And there is a book that's really famous these days it's called the body keeps the score. And it's all kind of about trauma that really has like a bodily, it almost manifests itself in certain parts of the body. not, not all trauma, but certain things happen. Um, and so like, actually a great example from a friend of mine, um, a buddy of mine that I, that I, uh, did some work with back in the day. Um, his body would like react to cold water. Like this had this, if He got in cold water, his whole body would break out in hives. And, um, he just never really thought about it too much. He went through a therapeutic experience at a place that does great work. And he, he went back and he realized that when he was about five or six, um, mom or dad can remember who it was. And they were at a, at a, cold lake up north in Michigan or something. Said, Hey, you need to learn to swim. He goes, I don't know. I don't really want to do that. And they chucked him in the lake. Um, now, the lake was three feet deep. He wasn't going to die. But a little five or six-year-old didn't know that, didn't know how to swim. And it was incredibly traumatic for him. Literally, his body took that traumatic response and said anytime he felt cold water like that, it would just boom. It would say, no, we can't handle that. Wow. He went through therapy and he came back. And he said, "Turvy." He goes, I, I went through that whole process. We do, undo, redo all this stuff. He goes, I just took a cold shower and like nothing. He goes, my body's fine, and now that's not always the case. So please don't like think that always happens. It's kind of an extreme, but that's really what happens because that stuff gets stored somewhere inside of us um, until we until we we process it and work out that emotional knot.
0: Yeah, yeah. What I've heard, what I you know, growing up, what I've heard, and you see, like men get put in one box and women get put in another box. And again, not Mm -hmm. to overgeneralize, but oftentimes. (laughs) that's kind of how it was seen and taught to us growing up. It was like, women are the emotional ones, men are the logical ones. And that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. And and that's how you work through. Um, like, I don't know, just in our experiences and stuff like that. I don't, I, I wouldn't agree with that necessarily. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just curious what your insights and experiences as a qualified professional, you know, on, on that, idea that observation, you know.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. I think we're both emotional. I think men are probably socialized in America at least to maybe show less of that. Um but it doesn't mean we don't have emotions. It just means we've kind of been told don't show it as much. And I honestly think like when I do when I do work with um couples, um you know a lot of times, and I, and I, I I I serve a special population outside of Chick-fil-A. I do a lot of work with military couples and it's kind of like some, some pretty rough and tough guys who are in the military and and they kind of come in and it's like, there's no emotional response, man. But like, I, I I work with them for one day and allow them and give them the freedom to kind of recognize some of those emotions and this idea if it's hysterical, it's historical. And we're talking about this stuff. And like, they are just, they are in it. And their wives just look at them as like, who the heck are you? Um, and then it almost scares the wife because she doesn't know like, who's this guy who's talking about emotions and feelings and whatnot. Um, it's all right there. It's just kind of like right there at the surface, you know, um, tip of the tongue type thing for guys with some of those emotions. Um, again, got to be careful. Like you don't want to be run, you don't want to be controlled by your emotions. Like that's not the goal. I think some people misinterpret some therapy as like, oh, it's going to be all emotions. And now I'm just going to be willy-nilly, I'm going to be all over the board. It's not that at all. It's, again, it's emotional regulation. That's wise living. That's living a flourishing life. Um, It's un Greek word, eudaimonia. It's like the good life is is taking care of recognizing what's going on, but handling that in a wise, I would say also a godly, um, God-honoring way that's where it's all at, man. And guys do a great job of that. Honestly, when they're with a bunch of other guys, usually, I think sometimes in a, in a, in a, in the space of a marriage, it may be that the wife may, and again, it's, that's a stereotype. So it's not always true. I'm actually the emotional one, probably more than my wife dude looks like a lady in my marriage. Um, and so it, it, it's like the marriage space only has so much kind of emotional uh, ability to kind of pop out. And if one person's more emotional, you kind of reach this level of balance homeostasis where that's about, that's about enough. So sometimes she takes it all. Um, and then you just feel like, well, she's emotional enough for both of us. So I'm not going to mess with it. Or he's so emotional. She says, I'm not going to mess with it. That's kind of what I see.
0: You know, then, then knowing all that, working through these, these emotions, you know, we talked about the do undo redo. Um, what are some other like helpful tactics? Um, I mean, I think you said it like finding balance, you know, what, What are some ways to be able to, to kind of walk that line between I'm not, you know, I'm not letting the toddler drive the car. I'm not like completely controlled by my emotions, but at the same time, I'm not suppressing all of them, creating all these, you know, having these knots in my shoulder that I'm not compensated that now I'm compensating for in other ways. What are some ways that we can try to find that, that balance in our lives?
2: I would probably say, um, I'm probably thinking of two, maybe three thoughts right now that have worked for me, have worked for other people that I know. One, I, I'm a big believer in note cards, <laughs> you know? I mean, literally just three by five, four by six note cards, or it could be on your phone if you wanted to, something like that. Um, But just the chance to take a note and get what is on the inside, outside. Because when, more often than not, like if you can see it out here, <coughs> On a note card. Oh, I'm mad. Like, then you kind of deal with like the note card that says, I'm mad. Well, then it doesn't feel like it's this weird thing all inside of you. You're not quite sure what it is. Oh, like I'm mad. So what do I do with that? Right. So, um, I, and I encourage after the person probably in a relationship or, or if they're single folks, um, if they're not really good at identifying their emotions, do that. Now here's, here's the trick. You can't always, it's for some people it's hard to identify what you're feeling. And that was me, right? Like I, I kind of grew up with like, you are happy or nothing. <laughs> so it took me a while to kind of say, what am I really feeling? There's a lot of really cool apps. Um, Soul Time is a, is a great kind of guided meditation app that, that I, that I love, but it, it kind of says, Hey, what are you feeling right now? And it asks you to pick a few words and you go through, you pick those few words, and then it gives you the chance to kind of, just slowly try some, you know, some deep breathing exercises and recognize what's going on inside of you and what do you want to do with that? Um, so that that's where I say that's what it takes, some awareness and some emotional maturity to say, OK, I, I know what's going on inside of me. That's only work you can do. Your spouse can't do that for you. Friends can't do that for you. Parents can't do that. You got to do it for yourself. And once you recognize what's in there, then you can get it out. And then you have the choice what, how to read, how to respond to that as opposed to react to it. Um, very different things. A response versus just a gut reaction. So that that's a couple of thoughts right there. Um, there's a lot of apps out there. You can get feeling apps and like, what am I feeling? And the, the pictures or there's sheets of paper that, um, you know, people put on their fridge for their kids. It's like, I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm yeah. frustrated, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I used those when I was in grad school because I did not know what I was feeling. I had to figure it out.
0: <laughs> Good for you. Well, you have something That's... called the feelings wheel, right? Yeah, we've no, talked about mm-hmm. that before.
1: The feelings wheel yeah. that, yeah, and it, it like expands, right? I used to have it right there, but yeah, yeah. it like starts with just the pretty basic, and then it goes into like, I think by the end there's like a hundred, wow, different types of feelings on the outer wheel. Yeah. yeah, we could put that as a resource for this because yeah. sometimes you don't even know what all the feelings are, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. there's a difference between angry versus like, ups, you know, up like, hangry. In- <laughs> well, hangry. Yeah. No, but there's, there's like different feelings that I feel like are kind of, we almost use them in a similar, similar way. I, I don't know, even like maybe the American, the English language, like doesn't do a good job at making a difference between them. Like I always think of like the different love, in the Bible, oh, you know, yeah. like agape love versus and we just call it love, you know, and uh, it's similar yeah. with emotions where when you can name it and have that power over it, I, I found mm. that really helps. And it's good. Um,
0: yeah, I, I, I think that's fascinating with like the no cards. And yeah, I, I've heard from other they're like journaling just but that process of taking what's on the inside and turning it into a tangible action of speaking it. Writing it, doing something where you're activating and using a different part of your brain to to express it, to get it out, as opposed to it just sitting there rent free in your mind and in your body and causing those kinds of issues, you know.
2: Yeah, I did an exercise a long time ago, and it's something I sometimes ask couples I work with to do. Um, I kind of call it milestones and messages. And I went through my life. basically every year as early as I can remember. And I tried to remember like one big milestone in every, every given year or grade or whatever, basically zero to 25. Um, And I I got got that memory. I I spent some time thinking about it, getting quiet, um, getting, you know, a a quiet place where I could think and just reflect, wrote down one of those things on, on a note card. Again, I use note cards. Um, so on one side of the note card, I wrote down kind of that big moment. What was that? Could be positive, could be negative. But on the back, I kind of wrote the message mm-hmm. that I told myself about that, either the message is what I felt. Um, it could, could be either. I, I use messages for that. Um, and I went through them and you start to see a theme yeah. in your life, right? Um, what was interesting, I, I, I took some of those note cards in and I said, you know what? I wonder if my memory of this stuff was accurate. So fortunately I did this when both my parents were alive. Um, and I went to my folks. I said, can I talk to you guys about some stuff? They were a little bit scared because right. they didn't know what, what it was going to be like. But I just said, I remember when I was three and I was left home alone. And I thought you guys had left me. You know, what happened? What was that about? Like, I was so scared and I felt like you didn't care about me. Um, And my dad just, he almost cried. He goes, Oh son. He goes, I went down to quick trip for five minutes to pick up um a coffee in a newspaper Um and and those, like, those are the longest five minutes of my life, right? To him, it was no big deal. But when he heard that, he goes, I'm so sorry. And y'all, I, I still remember it. Like, in that moment, just in that interaction, we, we, wow. we did undid, redid just like that. And that whole situation was rewired in my brain. So if you have the chance to do it with people who are still living in a in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, with a, with a, um, attitude of humility and curiosity, not vindictiveness or like, I remember when you <laughs> did this to me because you were a jerk. Yeah. Stronger language, um, like we're not, we're not going there. But like, just help me understand. You know what? Yeah. What was that like for you? Because here's what it was like for me. And I'm just trying to go back and see yeah. was that accurate. And you might learn a lot about yourself, um, and might find a lot of healing in that. Honestly, and it's something that's cheaper than a therapist. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so true. I well, had, that's the goal. Uh, the cheaper than a therapist. <laughs> cheaper than a therapist. <laughs> shorter. Ther- yeah. Leading a therapist for a That's right.
2: Yeah.
1: But yeah, no, I think that that's so, so such a good point, you yeah, know, and I hope my powerful. kids would do that with us, you know, yeah. like.
0: Well, and give them license to, to do that and give them an open door to say, hey, mm-hmm. we are going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We're, we're sorry. We do want to take like responsibility for it but like you said like having a spirit of humility and curiosity um yeah. i i i think again from from yeah. both sides of the street giving license and invitation yeah. to being able to say hey we we want you to come and talk to us about yeah. that uh, as yeah. hard as that may be but if it if it results in healing and working through some of that baggage then it's well worth it
1: yeah you know? absolutely and it's it's been really cool to see our four-year-old, she just turned four, start processing emotions. And we've, we've always okay. tried to, like, identify little ones. Oh, you're angry right now. And it's almost like reparenting us, right? Like, oh, if you're feeling it, we're probably feeling it mm-hmm. too. You know, you're frustrated right now. Well, so is mommy. Um, but the other day, she came to me and said that a girl pushed her at, at her little, you know, three-hour morning class. Um, and I was like, oh, that's too bad. What'd you do? Oh, I told my teacher. She said, you know, just leave her alone. All this stuff. Three days later, I kid you not, we were just doing something and all of a sudden she goes, oh, so-and-so was sad. And I was like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah. And I wanted to help her and she didn't want me to, so she pushed me. And like, all of a sudden, like all these things started clicking for her three days later. and, And I was like, Oh, so, so you were probably, you know, getting in her, in her, in her space, you know, and we talked through it and it was just so beautiful to see that she came back to like process it mm-hmm. and to like think through. And so we talked about what to do next time. And then of course she goes, mommy, I'm sad. I need my space and like walks away. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, that conversation's done, <laughs> but it's been like almost healing for us. Right. Yeah. With, with especially her to to talk through emotions and yeah. to like connect with them on that level, because I feel like we're at the same level as her in some of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: I think there's so many emotionally, you know, stunted four year olds who are actually 50 and 60, you know, who have never been able to yeah, identify.
2: work through
0: and process through. And so it unfortunately comes out in so many other ways against so many other people.
2: Yeah, as there's research that shows people who've kind of been really hurt at a point, they they kind of stay at that point. It's almost like emotional development kind of stop at that point, and we got to go back and work from that. Now, that's not always the case, so sure. I don't work with on everybody. And I do think we got to be careful in this day and age because I think we are talking about emotions a lot, and sometimes the 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 knee jerk reaction for parents who didn't have a lot of that growing up is to make sure their kids know all yeah. about their emotions. And again, you don't want the emotions to drive. They're not driving the car, right? right? Like they they shouldn't be driving the car. It's like, what are you going to do with that? So recognize it. What are you going to do with that? And then the lesson I think comes in, It's just it comes in that pause between what's the boom, what just happened? How do you make meaning of that? How do you respond to that? And that's where we kind of say, this is how we show up in love, in compassion, in wisdom, things like that. That's amazing.
1: Uh, That's a good point. Yeah. And we don't want to overcorrect for sure with our kids. Yeah. Yeah. The old
0: old pendulum. I mean, we see this in culture historically all the time. It's, you know, like you said, a knee jerk reaction to something or a mindset. And so we pendulum to one side and then it goes too far one side and then it pendulums back to another way. And, you know, that's it's trying to find that balance, which Again, that's like our favorite word on the podcast, finding balance <laughs> in life. So Matt, the, the last question I have, and you've honestly already talked about this quite a bit throughout, but just kind of elaborating on this, this idea, you know, our podcast is called the intentional thriver. It's, it's asking that question, am I surviving or thriving? What does that mean to you? What is, what is that concept of what does it mean to intentionally thrive in your life? What does that mean? What does that look like?
2: The work I do with Chick fil A lately has helped me kind of define what thriving is. And I would, and I, and I do this because I'm also a nerd and I love research and academia type stuff. But Harvard has something called the human flourishing program and they define flourishing, which is kind of like thriving. Mm -hmm. I would say pretty, pretty synonymous there with safeguarding your physical and mental health, honoring your purpose, investing in deep personal relationships nurturing good character, and embracing life's joys. Mm-hmm. So if I went through those five, the acronym is SHINE. Um, that's not what Harvard said. We made that up at Chick-fil-A, <laughs> so it's easier to, to remember. Yeah. But when all five of those things are kind of going well, um, li- life is good, right? So probably right now, my biggest challenge where I'm not doing so, – I'm doing a gr- really good job with physical and mental health. I got that going on. Honoring my purpose, I'm doing that really well. Investing in deep personal relationships. I told you earlier, that's where we got to work right now. We've just been too busy lately to really give our marriage um, and even our kids to some degree. But we've been too busy to get to, to really do that well. Um, nurturing good character, not a problem there. Um, and embracing life's joys um, behind me right here. I put this in the, in the things just so people can see this. This is a Lego map, dude. This is the biggest Lego set by piece Made by Legos ever. It's like twelve thousand pieces. They're all little dots. Um, but this is how, this is one of my joys. Like one of my joys as a um, older older man <laughs> is building with Absolutely. Legos. Absolutely, I love. It. They're not they're not toys. They're a complex interlocking brick system. I just want to throw that out there. But uh, I, I, I I still I, I just love it because Legos make sense, man. End of the day, like yeah. you follow the instructions and they make sense. As a psychologist, I don't have an instruction book for people or my life or or everything. I mean, I've got some guidelines, but Legos, you follow it, Mm. you trust the process. And man, at the end end of the day, something really beautiful comes out of it. So there's a little bit of metaphor in Legos. There's also just kind of me being a stupid little kid again. Um, and, and And I love it all, but that's kind of how I, it's one of the things I'm embracing. So I'm working on embracing life's joys and I'm working on investing in deep personal relationships and kind of be the things where I want to improve right now.